Song Earthworks. My name is Connor alongside my friend Fox. the 127th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest economy, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for March of 1985, progs 407 to 410. Uh, this time, Dread goes up against the Hunter's Club. The King arrives in Halo Jones. Things get our things are getting hot for the Hell Trekkers, and Rogue Trooper starts his, his new mission. Oh man, I love Halo Jones. Yeah, buddy. Love Halo Jones, man. Absolutely. And if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case, Files 8, The Ballad of Halo Jones, Book 2, Rogue Trooper, Tales of New Earth 3. We're in a new uh, Rogue Trooper book. And uh, you can find the Hell Trekkers collected in Judge Dredd, in the, in, in the Dredd, Dredd, Judge Dredd Magazine issues 218 to 223, and also uh, some of the Future Shocks we're reading this time in the Best of Future Shocks. Um, so, hey, speaking of uh, exciting tales from beyond high, time and space and somebody you love, Fox, it's... Oh, my God. I'm so in love. Yeah. Through one, the Ballad of Halo Jones. Mm-hmm. And shit gets dark real quick in this. Yeah, <laughs> man. <bad>. Totally. <laughs> uh, so, scripter about Alan Moore, art about Ian Gibson, letter about Steve Potter. So, uh, Toby, the robot dog, of course, uh, and, and, and Halo's uh, bodyguard or uh, companion, is headed to the cyberneticist to get his memory tape replaced. And Halo's going to a uh, uh, hangout with Steersman Kit, the uh, dog. Man. I love the banter that they have here because he's like, yeah, I'm going to get my spools done and whatever. And she's just like, you're really lucky. Uh, cyberneticist, cyberneticist nine gold can replace my memory spools anytime he likes. <laughs> like, All right, dude. Yeah, she's so Go get into, you some. Yeah, she's so into mix nine gold, buddy. <laughs> hey, man, it's a great name. Totally. So, uh, but but when she arrives at the steersman's cabin, she gets a gun put against her head because it's some terrorists. Oh, God, these damn terrorists, but they're trying to stop a war and such. Yeah, it's funny because they talk in kind of this weird, like, future talk. Like, they kind of have, like, like, like you know, I, I, I guess like they're speaking, like, English is their second language or something. So they kind mm. of have some malpropisms and some and an odd way of talking that's sort of, fut- I don't know, it feels futuristic to me, I guess. Um, yeah. They contact the captain and say they're from the Tarantulan Emancipation Army. We've heard a little bit about this war with the uh, Tarantula Nebula sort of brewing or like pe- both sides sort of starting conflict and stuff a little bit in the background, like in the news reports. Yeah. With Louise of, 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 of Exactly, yeah. Um, so they have a list of demands. And they threaten the steersmen in Halo with death if they don't get them. There's a very funny part where they're <laughs> like, you know, like, no, don't kill the steersmen. And the girl, I guess. Yeah, it's it's so played. It's like, wow, life's cheap. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I, there's there's also some subtext here where it's like uh, these these dolphin navigators are part of a, a guild or some kind of like. Um, I don't know, some kind of big deal thing where it's like if one dies, that's going to cause some tension. Yeah, like we heard deal. we heard a little bit of talk about that in the first book, too, just in news reports and stuff like that. It seems like mm-hmm. there are kind of strained relations between humanity and uh, the dolphins as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as this is happening, it's all broadcast to the whole ship, and we see Toby go into like oh, murder awesome. mode to save Halo. Like, um, there you is know, no other word for it. I mean, yeah, it's exactly like actually, uh, like like Zombie Dread last episode, where I said that he goes mm-hmm. from like cat and mouse mode to end game mode, basically. <laughs> like, 
Like that's what Toby is. He 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 books into the stairsman room, bursting through a wall even, and quickly takes the men down and a cl- and like clearly terrifies Halo in the process as well. Uh, well sh- I mean, his he's like dripping with blood from his mouth most of this time. Yeah, I was gonna say that uh, like like ship security arrives and Toby's like, "Where were you?" And he's just covered in blood, although it's black and white, so you can't really tell. But like it's dripping from his I mouth, mean- and there's pools of it and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I really love how, yeah, Gibson just does this, does an amazing job of depicting like the, uh, the pure rage in Toby's face as yeah. he runs through the corridors after Halo and stuff. I mean, he is not going to lose someone again, which I think is like, if you thought Toby was this like snarky, cuddly dog, mm. twice now you are wrong. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, yeah. He's a killer. Yeah. Totally. So, um, <laughs> uh, Halo and Toy are hanging out in their room when their mysterious roommate, uh, Glyph, gets their attention. Yeah. And uh, which apparently is difficult. I This is so sad, a backstory, and so beautiful to you, man. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, so Glyph tells their story, and it, it basically seems like they got uh, sex reassignment surgery, like, constantly. You know, it's it's the far future, so... It's not quite like the, like, you know, like the big deal it used to be the old, or it seems like they can do it pretty easily. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's just a minor operation for the most part. Yeah, and Glyph got it, got, had it done so often that they lost track of who they really, who they originally were, um, and just kind of lost their identity in general. They'd changed so many times. Um, but and it every- seems to have had that, like a knock on side effect as well. Yeah, because everybody else seems to have lost that track as well. And eventually Glyph develops some sort of like a superpower almost where yeah they're completely ignored yeah they're so ignored and unrecognized it lets like you know like the landlord like moves a new family into their house and stuff like that but it also means they can like sort of go where they want so we see glyph like just like uh walking out of the supermarket with food or like just just living with a family and just not even being noticed as they like sit at the the breakfast table and stuff with everybody else or you know all walking up crazy yeah, or like walking aboard the Clara Pandy and just hanging out with Halo and Toy all the time. Um, Where she's been for three years, basically. Yeah, no one notices. Or they, I should say. Right. And indeed, um, by the time Glyph finishes their story, Halo and Toy have started watching dramas again. Like, they don't even, they didn't even like stick around for the whole thing. They just sort of lost interest and, and went elsewhere. Um, it's like the, it's like a dark realism about this. And it, it comes through with this month where, yeah. like, Man, that's real grim, and it's not even like you. It's not explained as like a, a they're they're assholes and they don't care. It's like this well, you, is yeah, just you, yeah, you can't do it. I mean, Glyph isn't like angry about it. They sort of recognize that like they've got this thing, and like someone paying attention to them a little is like their dream or something. So even Astounding, a little bit is yeah. something. Um, it's really yeah, horribly sad. Yeah, I love the design on Glyph. Like the uh, mm-hmm. Ian Gibson makes them like super androgynous, and they're and, and the lettering's really cool here too, because like all their word bubbles have a uh, lowercase letters, which is unusual yeah. in these comics, you know. So it makes them it makes it sound like their voices very like quiet and like you know unassuming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been a lot like 
Glyph is one of these characters that gets talked a lot about um, if you're if you're talking about Halo Jones, you know. Um, oh, that's awesome. Like I, well, you know, I, I think it's really cool to see a non-binary character like this, like someone who you know isn't sure what who, you know who feels in between the two um, uh, two genders, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's unusual in a comic in 1985, especially like a boys like science fiction adventure comic in 1985. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, I, it's very open-minded. Yeah, I, th- you know, I think sort of you know these days it feels also you know it's also kind of problematic just with um yeah, presenting people who go for reassignment surgery as sort of confused or doing it on a whim or i guess flopping yeah yeah um you know and it's also kind of a bummer this idea that a world like you know three thousand years from now would still with easy ways to alter your physical body we're still stuck with a binary gender you know what i mean um, sure you know, it's one of those things that, like, you know, I can sort of see it, but it's sort of also kind of hard for me to talk about just sort of as, like, you know, uh, uh, cis, white, straight guy sort of operating at maximum <laughs> privilege, you know, like. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. But, I, but, but there have been a lot of articles written about this and people talking about it and stuff like that, um, you know, and just sort of. <laughs> You know, to sort of have have the discussion about whether Glyph is is a good character in terms of like queer representation and stuff like that. Uh, as as I, a, yeah. I think as a basis of discussion, that's a that's a good thing. Like if the comic is generating that kind of discussion in general. Like yeah, that's kind of what I was looking forward to with this is that even regardless on where you fall in it, and sure, some of it was a little like uncomfortable for me, but it also you know. How, at this time, how many of this type of thing was being broadcast as uh, oh, what yeah. is an important character, at least for this month? No, absolutely. And I mean, it's definitely, to me, it feels like a groundbreaking comic book character, you know? I mean, mm. in in comic, you know, comic, like a comic book can get like, you know, major praise in like ma- in mainstream media for like a homosexual character that's incredibly stereotypical just because they sort of exist you know so this is a little bit more yeah. complicated and i think more interesting um i suggest you know there's a lot of stuff you know if you sort of put in like halo jones glyph in like google you can find some interesting things i definitely recommend um the mega city book club's uh coverage of of halo jones especially the second um art um episode of halo jones where they sort of go into this and then also the uh the game of you story which also sort of talks about like trans and non-binary characters these comics and stuff um yeah, yeah. so you know awesome it, yeah but it's, it's an interesting thing and it's just sort of like yeah it's 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 cool and it's got and it's definitely cool for like 1985 <laughs> you know what i mean absolutely um, and, and 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 worth pointing out and sort of talking about a little bit i don't know but uh yeah why not totally so let's go uh halo and toy are on the job Halo is missing another natural of wonder of space at the viewpoint of port. Apparently, she's always doing something else as they go whizzing by. <laughs> uh, and we see them sort of doing stuff like, you know, uh, toys yelling at some random ki- kid in the background. Yeah, um, there's this kid again. I've seen this kid in a couple of different parts of the comic so far. And I'm thinking there's there's something there. I mean, I can't tell you this stuff. We'll figure it out next time. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. The uh, Halo then goes to, or or, or Halo delivers drinks to to Cezanne Golier and uh, then picks up some food for the mysterious mysterious presidential cabin, getting a hard time from these sort of visored identical security guys. Which, whatever, man, these yeah. guys. <laughs> uh, she goes to investigate and find some rats, and uh, sorry, she she uh. Goes in and she looks at the door at the food and finds out that it's just gruel. And then she hears some sounds coming from be- behind the door. She goes to investigate and finds a couple rats at a computer terminal. 
they Which are woe. yeah they are the rat king or that's what they introduced themselves so awesome. through typing on the computer yeah you know rat kings are a real thing i don't know if you knew that fox um what well it's like you know how if you have a whole bunch of cables and like eventually they just kind of get all tangled up and stuff Okay, so, yeah. like, if a bunch of rats are kind of stuck in a confined space for an extended period of time, so their their tails will do the exact same thing with those sort of, you know, just like if you had, Whoa. like, f- five video game controllers and all of those controllers were, like, alive and moving on their own volition, eventually just the wires would get all tangled up. The same thing is with the Rat King, where if, they, if, if a bunch of rats are caught in the same place at once, they will um, sort of all their tails will become knotted and they'll be sort of stuck in one thing, you know. Do they become sentient? No, they mostly <laughs> just sort of die. But uh, <laughs> that's the oh man, that's <laughs> But yeah, listen. Like, if you want to gross yourself out, you can find it on uh, pictures on nope. the internet. Um, I'm good. But yeah, it's Pass. you know totally. Yeah, the the Rat Kings is one of those things like crabs in a bar- in a barrel. That's one of those uh, natural occurrences that are also good lessons in human interactions. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one of the yeah. uh, where you know if you're stuck in a confined space with a bunch of people eventually you find yourself connected to them in ways that are difficult to undo <laughs> so one that, of the rat yeah. final fantasy house <laughs> that's reference <laughs> so uh one of the rats is dying one of the rats in the king is dying and they need halo to find a new one and more does some very interesting things with the language for the rat king where like it refers to itself as in like the first person, but also the plural, where they're mm. like, where they're like, uh, like I am the Rat King. One of we is dying, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, Halo must not fail or tell anyone about this because if the Rat King dies, so does she. Which uh, I guess <laughs> if like a like a grouping of rats can get the presidential suite, it could probably get you. Certainly do something. Yeah. So Halo's having a devil of a time catching one of these uh, uh, semi stainless steel rats that wander the decks of the pandy, you know? <laughs> like, you know, they aren't actually robotic, but, you know, they're in that situation that the stainless steel rat always talks about, you know? Mm. Um, so. Um, eventually, so, you know, she's trying to do it. It's very, uh, difficult, sort of like, uh, Arya catching cats in like the first, uh, bu- in a, in a the Game of Thrones book. Um, nice. but, um, eventually after sort of a lot of like discussion and stuff, uh, Glyph arrives and offers to help Halo because the rats don't notice them either. Uh, they're happy to be assistant of assistance and hands the rat to, uh, Halo, but Halo like sort of forgets about it right away. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's really, it's real crazy. Just this example of this like ability that, um, that, that Glyph has. It kind of reminds me there was a, there was a Doctor Who villain, um, whose name I forgot at the top of my head, which is real, um, ironic. But, um, basically, <laughs> if you, when you, it's this monster, but when you look at, like, at, when you aren't looking at it, you forget about it. Um, and so, but then, and they're really terrifying when you are looking at them. But so it means that like, you know, someone will, there's points where someone's like turning their head and they'll see the, uh, the monster and then look away and just be like bright and happy and stuff. And it's really, it's really crazy. It's really terrifying and sort of a scary, a scary version of glyph. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, speaking of noticing also, I just realized that Halo's hostess costume has this poofy lamb's tail on the back, Mm -hmm. which is freaking me out as well. (laughs) Anyhow, hey, man. Hey, it's very poodly. 
It's true. Yeah, like like poodle slash lamb or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halo takes the rat back to the Rat King, which quickly in- integrates it into its collective. Halo disposes of the body, and because like she had to miss her shift chasing rats, she got yelled. She gets yelled at by Toy, who in her cabin we see a couple times is um, going against this like arm wrestling machine, which is pretty and just funny. Breaking yeah, she she br- breaks several. Yeah, totally. Um, Halo sort of says like, "Oh, I just realized that." Um, I have to tr- that I, I have to trust a bunch of rats and toys like oh you're you're, eight, you're an eighteen year old girl and it just took you that long to realize it, <laughs> which super fair. <laughs> wow. Next time on Halo Jones, memories are made of this. Oh wow, uh, man, it was good and I real sad for Glyph. Yeah, super sad. I really totally. Hope, I really hope they get noticed at some point in a more. Re- yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting character and um, an interesting character for this setting and stuff. You know, we learn a lot of, yeah, we're just learning a lot about the characters and stuff and sort of learning about, like, Halo and uh, and all these other guys aboard this ship now. And that's really fun. Yeah, it's good setup for, for some awesome stuff that, or really horrible stuff that I imagine is coming down the pipe. <laughs> I can confirm horrible stuff, but that's it. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Speaking of terrible groups of people, it's... Thrill to Judge Dread. Oh uh, yeah, boy. Sometimes, man, you just gotta hunt people. That's right. I guess. Yeah, let's break the first two rules of Hunters Club with script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as Stevie Grover, art robot Ron Smith, Steve Dillon, and Cliff Robinson, letting robot Tom Frame. I would uh, totally be your sponsor to the to the murder club, by the way. I don't know if I want that, dude. <laughs> I mean, when you see how that turns out, buddy. I mean, I guess you do get to be chums with somebody, but that's about it. Um, anyhow, <laughs> uh, Leonard Stibble wakes up in the morning to get a phone call. He's been selected by the Hunters Club of Mega City One to be their next victim. And he better start but running because hey, he's going to be hunted and but killed. hey, you know what? We get this kind of trash all the time in Mega City. So, you know, just ignore it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. He assumes it's a hoax. He gets dressed for his job as a knee pad salesman. Nice. Um, yeah, dude. We get some good life in Mega City One stuff as Len sells various fancy knee pads to people, but he's still worried about this whole getting killed things thing, um, especially once he gets a call saying that his death is coming soon. <laughs> so, uh, God damn it, I just got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, closes the shop and tries to run, bumps into a guy with a bag he thinks is the killer, but it's just a, fo- a false alarm. It's just a guy like eating a snack and he accidentally clears his throat and spits something, which gets him in trouble with oh, Judge yeah. Dredd, which is the one, which basically. <laughs> Is the one way that that dread is involved with this issue of 2018? <laughs> hey, sure, why not? You know, I, I I like honestly like I've got a fondness in my heart for Judge Dredd stories that don't really feature Judge Dredd, so this is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, exactly. He's always just kind of in the background somewhere, especially, and you're just like, no, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So thinking that it's a false alarm, or, or yeah, thinking that it's all, it's all nothing, Leonard heads back to a shop where another guy with a bag pulls a gun and kills him. He's like, nah, can't, not going to get me twice. And it's like, mm. Maybe I do Mama. got you, Leonard. Uh, Dredd investigates Leonard's murder, but doesn't find any real clues, leaves the body for the meat wagon. Meanwhile, at the Hunter's Club, a bunch of jerks celebrate the kill. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's a, it's a room full of, of gentlemen drinking what appears to be cognac. Yeah, it's really um like Ron Smith does an amazing job of just making these guys look like rich assholes that I really appreciate. <laughs> you know? It's really, I mean, they're definitely not poor assholes. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
you, you know, it's it's one of these things where where Ron Smith is such a master of drawing ugly people that um, you know when he draws it for not specifically ugly people like like uh, like uh, Otto Sump or something, but just for sort of a, a a regular person that sort of is evil because of their actions, it still really comes through, or still oh, ugly yeah. ugly because of their actions. That's what I'm trying to say. And if you didn't get it, there's a giant skull with two crossed guns in the back of the room. <laughs> good amount of skull imagery, of course. Um, anyhow, uh, less stoked about all this is new Hunters Club member Chip Chegley, especially when lots are cast and he's chosen to be the next hunter. Fucking suspicious, if you ask me. Shouldn't yeah. listen to that bub dude. Uh, you know, they congratulate him and give him his target, Enid Lavashanka, a widow in the Wim Wenders block. Wim Wenders, of course, the German uh, director. At this point, I think mostly you'd know him for a Paris, Texas in 1985, but also for mm-hmm. like Far Away So Close and other, and, uh, nope. other, other things like that. You know, Don't just know fancy arty stuff, buddy. Okay. <laughs> um, so Chip's buddy Bub agrees to help him with his first kill as Dredd checks Leonard's apartment and finds the audio fun. recording. It's really weird. Um, from the Hunters Club, it's the seventh definite kill by the of the month by the club, and Dredd wants to take him down, of course. Meanwhile, Bub helps Chip choose his weapon for the hunt, and Chip <laughs> is getting... weapons case. Oh, yeah, it's just full-on, like, swords and maces and other stuff. He's just like, hey, I want this gun. There's in there. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Chip is definitely getting cold feet. Uh, I mean, you know, this is... I, and, you know, I get the foreshadowing here. Like, it, it, you know... I, <laughs> <laughs> Once you're in the Hunters Club, you can't back out of the People Hunting Club. You know it's I mean? true. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so Steve Dillon takes over on art, and we see Chip killing Enid, or at least an Enid, an Enid dummy in the full-color picture fake-out page. Mm. Um, classic, you know, standard fa- uh, color page action where they fake you out. Um <laughs> Bud Bud has Chip make the same call that like Leonard got like warning him but Chip loses the script and starts freaking out as he does it Um, it's pretty there's a funny part though where he says he's from the Hunters Club and Enid said oh no thanks I've got book of the month which is pretty good (laughs) (laughs) so great yeah we also learned that if Chip doesn't do this killing then he himself will be killed um, instead Mm. and that the draw earlier was rigged because you know like I kind of mentioned earlier this is all total fight club rules and you know we're dealing with the eighth rule of fight club which of course um, that that it's the if it's your first night you gotta fight right yeah Yeah. they're breaking the sixth rule though because they're all wearing shoes and shirts anyhow um, on the (laughs) on the way over the uh, hunters bump into dread again just sort of making a guest appearance in this (laughs) um, strip taking down some perps Uh, freaks out yeah shoot him Always got to, you know, this freaks out Chip, but Bub pushes him forward. Chip makes that second call to Enid like they did with Len. And he's even more freaked out on the call. He reveals that Bub is making him go for it. And Bub like hangs up the phone and stuff. It's like he's really bad at being uh, a killer guy. Yeah. and keep in mind at the at the top of this when he's in there he's like man they really are killing people it's like dude if you knew this going in you know or if you had your suspicions i mean i can't believe bub is still like making him do it like i mean even if it was just like now you got to shoot him in the head or something like it doesn't seem like chip is going to um like pull it together you know what i mean <laughs> Look, man, this is this is his this is his best friend 
and he really wants him to join his club. Maybe, you know, he doesn't have so many friends in that club. Maybe they're all just weird, rude guys. Certainly possible. And they seem pretty jovial. Yeah, I'll say, Fox, like, if you're in some in, in some club like this, like, feel free to not tell me about it. Just anything where if I don't do it, I get killed. I don't want to be part of it. Um, just for the record. Um, anyhow... Freaked out no by comment. yeah, exactly. Freaked out by this. Um, Edith calls the judges, and Dredd is on his way. Um, Cliff Robinson takes over an art. I like Cliff Robinson. He's, this is one of his. You know, he's. This is. We're still pretty early in his time doing Dredd, so it's good to see him here. Um, he really likes muscle definition in the he's face. Got a real defined Dredd head for sure. I think I feel like Dredd's got more neck with Robinson than with other people. Um, mm-hmm. Dreads on the case as Chip goes in to kill Enid. He blows open the door and prepares to fire, but as Dread lo- drives his lawmaster into an elevator car, he can't do it. He drops his gun as Bub promptly shoots him right in the forehead and runs away, which was actually pretty pretty graphic as far as like comic book violence goes, it feels like. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Dread gives chase again, but Bub is able to mix into the crowd in the lobby of the Wimwenders block and plant his gun on some random dude and then escape. Oh man, it's always good to find a dupe in a crowd to plant your gun on, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Dread grabs the... Hey, wait a minute. I don't know if I do. But anyhow, uh, Dread grabs the rando and kicks the crap out of him, then like takes him up to be identified by Enid. Enid's like, oh, he's covered in blood. I I don't know if it's him. So Dread is like... (laughs) jams him under the sink and like you know washes him off he's like oh no that's not him the other guy was a foot taller like oh come on like <laughs> so great but uh the hunters have escaped again and dread is not pleased oh man how are we gonna find these guys probably yeah. by some other way that we'll figure out in the next uh, yeah comic. next time more, more more hunters club oh yeah <laughs> i'm into this hunters club ain't so bad it's, i mean it's, it's yeah. you know it's, it's interesting than, like, stuff the crime for sure. Ring kind of. Yeah, well, I mean, the crime ring was funnier, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's a different. It's got a different tone than like the Mega Rackets and stuff like that. Mm. Um, where yeah, those were all, almost more more uh, humor strips or something than this, which is still like has its funny parts, but is also about like you know, um, Chip like breaking down emotionally and like you know Bub pushing him on and stuff like that. Um, yep, Mega City One seems to suck. I mean, you know, life is cheap, but I'll tell you one thing, Fox: better to die in hell than live in Mega City One. Which takes us to <laughs> Thrill Three: The Hell Trekkers. <sighs> We're professional podcasters. I'm really proud of us. Listen, no, I've been complimented on my transitions by many people. That's what I do. <laughs> I compliment you uh, a yeah, lot. I'm, totally. I'm a person. Do I count? Yeah, I count. I I, 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 I counted you in there, buddy. Come on. Thank you. I'm I'm the first guy to do it. So uh, yeah. in in traditional internet forum sense, uh, first, absolutely. Yeah, you were you. I mean, you were doing it before anybody else listened to the show. So it's like whatever. Boom. Um, anyhow, script about Alan Grant and John Wagner's F. Martin Candor art robot Horatio Lalia, letting robot Tony Jacob. Time for another funeral. This time, just tossing a body into the lava flow, like real. <laughs> Really, like, I remember when everybody would, like, sing Rock of Ages and stuff like that, but uh, now we're just sort of tossing them places. Um, They even even comments on, it's like, it's become such a constant companion to us now. Definitely. One more fatality seems neither here nor there. Indeed. It's real dark, man. Totally. Yeah, man, it's this uh, Magical magical Misery Tour, as I always call it. Um, Wow. (laughs) The followers of Gup. Um... Like like half of them move into this now vacant wagon 
vacant wagon splitting the guppies apart with various re- religious curses raining down. Yeah, which is like it's against Gup. You we gotta roll in one truck, and they're like, uh, like basically piss off. I, and by he, the way, is Rudd's looking a lot more grizzled now? Yeah, he's going through some changes for sure. <laughs> yeah, the uh, starting to have that banjo feel to him. At this definitely, point. yeah. The girl with the boils is still getting boily. Um, and Rudd marries that Gross. couple that got engaged, engaged last episode, just right there on the spot. <laughs> Although married is like in heavy quotation marks as both of them sort of or rather the woman remarks. It's like all all Rudd basically does is like, are you sure you want to get married? OK, I pronounce you man and wife and then walks yeah. off. I mean, it's much more of a frontier marriage than I mean, I mean, I guess appropriately than like a city marriage. where you got to do paperwork and all that stuff. This um, is the first of two times that he shoots them down and then something else shoots them down. Oh, shit. High five, buddy. That's awesome. It's <laughs> real. <laughs> Third time's the charm, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyhow, day they're, 10. They're, they're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, this is like full on, like, oh, we're so happy together. Like the guy in the in the, in the the trenches and in, in the award movie that like can't wait, that like just got a letter from his girl, you know? But uh, Oh, my God. <laughs> it's day 10. We're rolling out. But the but as they're going, but the, the initial way they're planning to go is blocked by the lava flow. So the train starts backtracking as we're reminded that the uh, remaining nebs are planning revenge on uh, on our rud. Once again, knowing their track record, probably just fucking kick him out. But hey, you know, I guess let's also just keep them following us or whatever. That's right. I'm rude. I'm a big naive jerk. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, you'll learn. As they're going through the past, though, Lavalanche! Giant. Which is possibly a marriage of two things that I never thought I'd know. And now I'm so happy to understand. Pretty terrifying. A giant lava landslide takes out this new Gup wagon, and the other Gup wagon and another one fall into lava as well. Because the <laughs> the non Guppers got angry at the Guppers trying to avoid the lava, and just sort of that they both end up falling in, being pushed into I, it as the land I just crumbles underneath them from the lava. <laughs> why? It just felt so needless. It's like, oh, they backed into us. Fuck those guys. And it's like, well, okay, <laughs> so. This Do you is, not see the giant yeah, lava slide? It really feels like uh, like like Grant Wagner running up the score in terms of the body count on this yeah. story. You know, like they could have just killed that one Gup wagon and that would have been fine, but so they got to kill thirteen people. You know, oh, God, um, it's so horrific. Yeah. So because so um, because this new lava flow is basically impenetrable and it splits the wagon train in two. One, the half with Rudd continues forward while another has to backtrack and try to find another way around the mountain. Yeah, he uh, he puts Bish in charge and, uh, and then the nebs come in like, well, I'm not going to, why do we got dude, he says. And then everyone just gets on the horn and says, shut the fuck up. It's yeah, like you, aren't, like you aren't leading the resistance inside the rad wagon trail here. Buddy, like yeah, you guys are the assholes. You man. guys are jerks. Like we're, we're we're uniting against you. Um, but uh, it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. So the trek split. Rudd takes them up to the Nebraska Rift, slowly making their way across narrow rock bridges. They arrive at, um, or they're sort of right at Quince Pass, and prepare to head over to it. The rock around here is super unstable, with massive lava geysers exploding all over. The, Not uh, great. Yeah, those two lovebirds that that Rudd married earlier are getting all schmoopy <sighs> during this, yeah, and, and they want to have a party. 
Yeah, they definitely want to have a pre-Lava Geyser Trek, um, like, wedding party and stuff. Uh, Which? <laughs> hey, like, we, we got a deadline here. We got to get past these geysers. Like, there's, we just had a lava lanch, like, ten, like a mile back. Um, so, but, once again, Rudd's just like, nah, man, just fucking, we got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. A, uh, a, uh, as they're driving, a geyser opens up underneath them and basically is about to kill them. But this is a fancy wagon. It's got an ejector seat. So they, so they eject out and seem to be saved. But now they're falling on, now they're parachuting down into another geyser. Yeah, dude, they're like, they're smooching because they're like, oh, you saved us and whatever. And they're just slowly floating down into a lava geyser. <laughs> yeah, well, things look good for a minute because, like, the thermals from the lava seem to be booing them, booing them back up so they might be able to land safely. But then the parachute catches fire and they fall <sighs> the lava geyser, instantly skeletonizing. <laughs> it is uh, it is fucking horrific. <laughs> I gotta say, this is so, um, so Hell Trekkers to me because... <laughs> A standard comic thing would be to have this cliffhanger. Oh no, they're gonna fall into the lava. But then, ooh, like it's such a dumb comic explanation. Like, ooh, the uh, the hot air from the lava has buoyed us away, and we're able to land yeah. safely. But because it's Hell Trekkers, instead, no, that was just some false hope. Before then, they die still in the lava, like they were. It looked, it looked like they were going to. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> um. So the trek continues, and they finally make it to Quince Pass. Uh, Rudd contacts the other half of the trek, and they say they'll arrive in a couple hours. They lost a few people, though, and we flash back to this. Flashback. Yeah, to their journey around the mountain. As Crustacea Glimp says her first words, the flying Hubbles use um, acrobatics to scout a route through the mountains use, and uh, find a way through. But to get there, they got to lift these wagons up onto a different set of cliffs. Um, the first wagon to go is uh, the one of Edie Rubens, and as it goes up, the cables start to snap. Oh, God. And so another good cliffhanger. Next time, The Parting of the Ways, which was our cliffhanger title for last episode as well. So I guess we're just using that one a lot. <laughs> why? Why not? And I guess also, like, some people probably going to die. Oh, I mean, we know that. I mean, when um when Glemp like like calls in to say that they lost some people, he specifically said it was um oh, yeah, the acrobat. No, it, it wasn't. It, it was the person whose wagon this is. Um. Oh. What is it? The uh, the Rubens wagon. I thought he said like he lost them and their family. Okay. I don't yeah, know. If, yeah. You know, I'm sure we'll lose Eating the acrobats at some kids. point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Just more uh, horror and stuff in the Hell Trek. Just your normal thing. You know. Uh, <laughs> speaking of yeah, speaking of normal levels of horror, Fox, it's non thrills, covers, and nerve center. Hooray for horror. That's right. But, uh, you know, cool covers. Yeah, totally. Prague 407, Brett Ewins introduces us to Leonard J. Stibble, the next victim of the Hunters Club. In the Nerve Center, Thriller, Tharg, and a Dynamic Dread introduce the, the Prague, and there's letters asking for more future shocks, which you're going to get in this episode, buddy. <sighs> Why would they ask for that? It's true. There's stuff about teachers being okay, other historical people named Gunners, questions about the vote coupon, and something about Nemesis, the hypothetical dwarf star that was momentarily thought to be orbiting our solar system, but in fact is not. doesn't exist. Um, uh, anyhow... <laughs> And that, like, when it gets closer, that there's that one planet that those alien beings are from that uh, made in Egypt. Nibiru? You know that one, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there we go. Um, (laughs) I'm really glad that we both know our 
or horrible conspiracy. Oh, listen. Ancient aliens, man. Yeah. I love it. I mean, you know, as someone with the bloodline of the Merovingian, it's important for you to know this stuff. Um, anyhow. <laughs> uh, mid, mid Prague, there's a, a collection of both digital and pencil drawn dread picks. Um, I'm not really sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what drawing programs exist in 1985. Like if they had mice, if they were doing this with, with mice and stuff, or if these were actually like a thousand long line long, like a basic program or something. I think these, I think these would have been line scans at the time. Oh, okay. Some, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's something like that, but, um, it's a while before Mac made mice. Yeah, because I remember that being a big deal at the time. But anyhow, um, yeah, I like um, a lot, or you know, so, some fun dread here's. Um, I, I like the pencil drawings a little bit more. I think I especially like dread as the Jack of Spades. Uh, there's one with dread standing next to a cool Chief Magruder and a Judge Death picture in a negative. You know, also yeah, mid, yeah, also mid, yeah, it's cool. Also mid Prague, there's a uh, there's an ad saying that the Baroness has arrived in Action Force, which is part of this thing in '85, huh. where basically. Um, Action Force becomes essentially a rebranded version of G.I. Joe from the States, you know? Oh, st- really? Yeah, like originally Action Force was sort of a different, had more sort of generalized things and wasn't really built around this sort of like, you know, G.I. Joe stuff. But now they're bringing it over. I think uh, Cobra Commander's in a later ad this this um, in these progs and sort of has all that stuff. I mean, the operation is called Snakebite. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're pulling it all in. Um, oh, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm sure they had different voices and stuff. I have to see more. I have to watch some action for some now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Why not? Yeah. This prog ends with a great Cliff Robinson, uh, Judge Dredd pinup. This guy being mugged, but he's looks, he looks happy as Judge Dredd pulls out his gun. Um, I love all the detail and everybody in this picture, you know, like the guy yeah. being held up by a sport coat and looking all happy and then all the different like perps and stuff. It's real good. Um, prog 48, 408. What the gup is happening, man? It's a lava lanch by Brett Ewens. <laughs> it's, uh, it looks really devastating and not great. <laughs> Definitely. In the nerve center, Thargrel. Of course, Tharg plus Mongrel. Cool. Yeah, it mentions that there's a new micro page. There's a picture of Rogue Quinch and Halo Bones. Which is probably Halo my, my Bones fa- is fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's my favorite um, like piece of fan art this this episode. Um, to, um, in letters, Tharg confirms that they're going by prog num or sorry, that they're going by, by prog numbers for 2080 birthdays, not calendar dates. There's a letter from a reader in Milwaukee and another one uh, calls out various 2000 ID references in the game Elite. And even in like the new version, Elite Dangerous, um, there's, you know, the, the galaxies being attacked by evil Thargoid aliens and stuff. So it's cool. still there. Uh, Midprog, there is a micro page with a bunch of game reviews, including the, uh, ge- the BBC PC version of Pole Position and the game based on the movie Alien. And this prog ends with another pinup of, of a rogue trooper this time by Cam Kennedy, showing the GI walking through a wasteland of dead droids and multiple moons, which is pretty cool. Oh man, good good little piece of art for you. Yeah. Also this also this issue, there's an ad for a, the Lone Wolf solo RPG series uh, series of books. Um, mm-hmm. And those are the ones I, ha- I I I read as a kid instead of like sorcery or fighting fantasy or something like that. You know, just sort of like more huh. complicated choose your own adventure books, basically. <laughs> oh, okay. Prog four oh nine. We got a great Steve Dillon Steve Dillon cover where Dread shouts you're under arrest and everybody scatters because of their various crimes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's real good. In the Nerve Center, Tharg, the, the hair dryer is stoked the eighth anniversary of 2000 AD with Prog 416 and remains stoked about the mega plan. 
There's a letter about an extensive 2008 poll that was done in the town of Seaford in East Sussex and a question Whoa. on which Ron they're talking about in that stainless steel rat cover. I think we all know that it's uh, President Ron Reagan, buddy. Don't be an idiot. Um, yeah, come on. Don't be a common Reagan. Oh, never mind. Um, Mid-Prog, there's, a fun, there's another pinup by Cam Kennedy of Dread telling Jews not to use replica fire on water pistols, which seems less <sighs> fun based on America current events, I guess. Um, yeah. Mid-Prog, there's more Fink Brothers mega, um, um, uh, mega Project stuff, including re- uh, seemingly real reviews of the song and a reprint of the Win a Poster or a Sweatshirt contest. I will say, um, I think the first... Um, Mutants in Mega City One um, video on YouTube has the has the video for the song, and then also has the Fink Brothers, which apparently, uh, I think, actually actual members of Madness dressed up as Fink and Mean Machine Angel, uh, oh, show awesome, like showing up on like a kids' uh, TV program. There's sort of a presenter talking about like the. Uh, talking about the song and they kind of show up and like threaten him and a bunch of kids and stuff like that. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cheesy, but also, also really fun. Um, hey, why not? Yeah, exactly. Mid prog, we meet the aliens from inner space with some art previews for this upcoming slain story where things are getting crazy. They look awesome. Yeah, it's real. Really looking forward to this slain stuff. Prog 410, this means war. Brett Ewan is on the cover, declaring that Rogue Trooper is back on the front. Um, in the nerves, yeah, in the nerve center, Humphrey Botharg introduces Jose, <laughs> Jose Ortiz, um, the Rogue Trooper artist to readers. Mm, not bad. Yeah, he's already on a couple things in 2000 AD, but this is, uh, he's gonna, he's showing up in a big way in Rogue Trooper. He's also mm. done a lot of stuff in other comics, like especially, um, in Eagle, he did a bunch of really great stuff, um, that they've talked about on Where Eagles Dare. Just mention all the podcasts this episode. <laughs> Damn, why not? I love yeah, those guys. Totally. Um, but yeah, so there's a picture of Rogue Snooper and um, the start of a series of letters of people arguing about what Prague will be out at the year 2000 and when Prague 2000 will be released. Uh, this writer suggests that it'll be 1118 for 2000 for uh, when the uh, issue in the year 2000 will be and that Prague 2000 will come out on the 21st of July in 2015. Meanwhile... Huh. Editorial droid Sim 1 says it'll be 1179 and October 19th, 2015, respectively. I guess especially the 2000 AD one, or like when when the prog will come out in 2000, is just kind of a math exercise, I guess? Um, yeah. Weirdly, both are ha- have gone too high in their uh, prices right games. They both lost. Really? Um, yeah, because the uh, the prog the, the first prog of uh, the year two thousand is uh, eleven seventy four, and then um, it, they're a year behind for prog two thousand, which comes out in September twentieth, twenty sixteen. A mere few months before, or a mere few weeks before the release of a certain two thousand eighty podcast, I could mention. Ooh. Yeah, this one. Uh, there are okay. requests for New Slain, the Fink Brothers appearing on 2000 AD, and uh, someone who's read 2000 AD in Antarctica, which is regretfully not the Antarctica of, um, what? What? Like, uh, like, like crocodile, like, uh, uh, kangaroo penguins and monkey gators from the, sure, re- from, but from the recent Strontium Dog story, you know? McMurdo Station. Hold on. I'm looking that up. Uh oh. I want to know which which section because you know so all of Antarctica is split into like these radial chunks, right? Um, based on country. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing it's a USAP. 
No, it's a United States Antarctic research. Because, I mean, I imagine we share it. Yeah. Uh, which is in the New Zealand claimed Ross oh, dependency yeah. on the shore of McMurdo Sound in Antarctica. That's awesome. So he might be a Kiwi. Or at least, like, you know, went there from a Kiwi spot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's also... Yeah, it's totally cool. You know, I I have a friend who went to Antarctica too. Um, yeah, it's a crazy thing. It's like go down from like the Strait of Magellan and stuff. It's crazy to Damn. get there because you know there's like twenty degrees of ocean that that, that are just sort of you know no land at all. Um, so there's requests for the new for new Slain stories coming up. T- people talk about the Fink brothers awesome. on TV. Um, oh yeah, I said all this stuff. Uh, the Prague ends with more Slain previews and an image of the bad guys for Slain, the uh, Scythrons, which I'm pretty sure that's how to pronounce, but I will have researched and figured it out, uh, consulting with Steve Reed from Everything Comes Back to 2000 AD, who <laughs> always corrects me on my on my uh, Celtic pronunciations <laughs> whenever we do things. So I'm just trying to run things by him because there's a lot coming up and I'm real nervous about it. And I feel like now I've mentioned all of my 2000 AD podcasts. <laughs> Oh my um, god. <laughs> Nothing but Ned, man. Yeah, there's also a sweet pinup of the new ABC Warriors, including Mad Ron and Hitaki, all looking cool. Six of the best. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and speaking of uh, getting back to the front, Fox. Oh, thank God we're doing this first. Yeah. Okay, good. No, I'm, I'm going to pack it all at the end, and we're just going to blaze right through it. It's going gonna, gonna to be a... <laughs> Be a mass of plot twists and air horns, and we're gonna get we're, we're gonna finish up. But first, we gotta, we get to thrill four rogue trooper. Time to go to another planet where we got to do things kind of like we did last time. Yeah, rogue isn't horsting around on the planet Horst. Um, oh my god! <laughs> gonna really, really? I'm setting that up now so I can use it in a later episode, buddy. We got to know about it. Um, Rogue's uh, back with a new artist. Um, I think. Ortiz, Rogue looks a little weird in like the opening page of this and it feels mm. like Ortiz kind of getting Rogue around him, I think. Also, honestly, mm. I'm okay with Rogue looking a little weird because he is a genetically engineered life form. Yeah, form of course. So he might not be like, you know, as natural as you might like. Um, Later, Rogue, it feels a bit more standard. Yeah, I feel like he's getting the groove of it. Rogue burns through reentry onto the planet Horst and gears up to move. He walks through this big, huge forest, spots a bat sniper just in time. Um, the Mark II GI rifle slows him down, but Gunner's able to shoot out the bat's wings anyway. And it looks like uh, Helm has gotten a laser target finder, which can make Gunner more accurate. And hey, give yeah. Helm something to do. All right. <laughs> Why not? And also, I guess let's also fight amongst each other because you didn't you didn't tell my wife the the, the full truth, and then Gunner's like, "Who gives a shit?" Yeah, <laughs> like God damn it, Gunner like is tired. It does not want to be a chip at all. Um, no. Rogue investigates the man bat and finds a Nort insignia on him. So it looks Whoops. like we're going to be fighting aliens here on the planet Horst. So, but Norts are also human, right? Yeah. But and there are Souther uh, aliens. I guess I just didn't get the connection but, between Nort and alien. Well, I, I guess it was mostly that on New Earth, like, they fought almost entirely humans, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, all the, both the Nort and Souther sides on New Earth were human, right? Like, and, the, oh, and there, so I guess and there were, alien. yeah, like, there were aliens, but they were, like, you know, in, like, the ghetto and the Gazbah or doing, like, mm-hmm. uh, ar- like, black market arms deals and stuff. Um so it's a little different that this time they'll be fighting actual alien Nort troops. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. 
Now I've pieced it together. My brain did a, a somersault just for that. No problem. And speaking of things being sad and confusing, Fox, it's uh, Thrill 5 Future Shocks. Oh, man. <laughs> Eight God Future Shocks. It's unacceptable. It's really unacceptable. <laughs> Basically, every um, every prog that we're covering this episode has two Future Shocks in it, which is just a lot. Um it, feel, it feels like, yeah, I mean, so let's start with a Bad Vibrations, script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Tom Frame. And yeah, this looks just like they're they're burning off a bunch of future shocks um, in preparation for basically like next, like uh, April and then May, where like, you know, we're just going to have a ton of new stories starting real fast awesome. and furious, you know, where it's going to be. Plus, you know, like we got, plus yeah. it's pinned by Bellardinelli, which beautiful yeah there's definitely some good artists in here for sure um yeah but i mean it's just like you know like we, we got rogue now we got slain next episode the after, oh, episode after yes. that we got anderson and and uh, strontium dog and then i think um nemesis is not the next nemesis is not too far behind that nace trucking isn't too far behind that just in terms of like things coming out for the rest of the year like we got things lined up so we got to burn off some of these extra future shocks so that the brass doesn't get angry at um <laughs> at the editors before then it seems like what a great reason it's something you know it's uh they got things they got to do and things they want to do you know but in this story it looks like the the uh, galactic survey this um you know space scouts they're super multicultural like there's like a yeah it's really cool actually it's like an indian chief captain and then everybody else is a whole bunch of other stuff um they're investigating a lost uh colony it ends up looking like there's something in the actual wind of the colony that like makes you go insane and murderous um cause people go mad and kill each other yeah, so eventually the uh, crew on the planet sort of turn against each other, and the captain's like dying wish as he kills everybody else is sort of like get out of here, go, um, <laughs> and like they suggest that the um, planet, you know, the survey suggested that the planet be destroyed. Basically, um, the best way to deal with your problems is total planetary destruction. Colin Dandare. Hey, I like this version of the happening way better than the M Night Shyamalan movie. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Because that's, oh, that, that's great. Because that movie's about like I mean it's created yeah, by plants, but it's killing people. But it's about a wind that like makes people become murderous and stuff and suicidal. Yeah. So whatever. Uh, Actually, next, oh sorry, maybe M Night Shyamalan stole it from this. I mean, it's uh, blows uh, you my know, mind. Yeah, let's not. I, I don't want to oh say God, yes or that no. That explains his what a twist scenarios so much. You <laughs> 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 apply air horns to all of his twists. Such a better movie. I mean, you know, we haven't yet seen the one where the. Uh, where the kid, where the uh, guy was dead all along with ghost stuff, but I feel like you know, oh, if we do, if we do, then I feel like we have to write, then we have to like contact our congressman or something and like get an investigation oh into this. Um, Absolutely. Next story is called Extra Extra Script Robot Pete Milligan, Art Robot Jose Casanovas, Letting Robot uh, Kid Kid <laughs> Robson. Yeah, great. You know, as always, Casanovas has re- had some real fun here. It's the future. There's a newspaper, The World, that predicts the future. So again, this is a uh, comic book version of the movie uh, early, or the TV show Early Edition. Um, Great. <laughs> anyhow, it's predicted the death of J.P. Ropey, the computer mega genius, and he refuses to accept it. 
Instead, he tries to change the future. There's a really funny part where he gets some guys to help him, and an extra for the world is delivered to them that says, uh, two friends of J.P. Roby will possibly meet a gruesome end tomorrow. And they're like, oh my God. Uh, we'll just go. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. J.B. tries to escape, but his car's autopilot takes him to where his pr- proposed death will take place, but he's able to use his computer genius skills to re- reprogram the car and escape. Uh. Um, another extra comes that says he'll die in a freak earth in a freak earthquake, which suddenly hits, and he's also able to escape that. And then finally manages to find the world's central brain and reprogram it with a new headline: "The oh, world man. will end today." Um, and then it does. World flashes out to white, <laughs> which great is why you always got to be careful about wording your genie wishes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't mean to change everyone into corn, etc. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, when I said I wanted to be surrounded by dough, I didn't mean I wanted to be uh, born as a baby deer. Oh. That one's a thinker and an awful one. Okay. um, (laughs) (laughs) Next up. That was a cute joke. That was adorable. Mm -hmm. Next up, it's, uh, (laughs) I I think, my top one here, uh, Psy Testers, which is a two-parter. Uh, oh yeah, this is this is the good one out of the bunch. Yeah, uh, script robot Alan Hebden, art 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 robot Mike Dory, letting robot Tony Jacob. This is the final work of Mike Dory in 2000 AD. Um, Sadness. Yeah, it's his first one since Prague 300, and I think this one's a real good example yes. of like his, his his dark style and his ability to to draw like like these really menacing men. You know, <laughs> like he could really yeah, draw. and well yeah. In dark situations, right? Like, oh, man, I just love how he, you know, like when they go into the side test room and there's just this beam of light on the guy and the whole yeah. room is dark. And I just love the way he draws this bad guy, uh, Cyclops O'Keefe, where he just looks like gigantic and really scary and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he's only got one eye, like he's got like a, a, a flap of flesh over the other one. But not okay. great. Yeah, Cyclops O'Keefe and his goons have arrived on Luna City, where they kill a dude and steal his hover pod. Along the way, they uh, freak out a Psy, which is this kind of bald-headed psychic person um, that is always sensing emotions. Apparently, it's a class of people in this future. Um, yeah, really horrible. And the, yeah, and the Psy is so freaked out that he actually gets into like a car accident because of it. Um, yeah. the, the tester goes to work at the police station where his job is basically to sense the mind he senses the mind of an accused car thief and sort of because he can read his thoughts he can determine if he's guilty or innocent and finds him innocent this time um, meanwhile O'Keefe and his gang are robbing a bank but Cyclops gets caught when the low gravity of the moon causes him to overshoot the getaway car Oof. O'Keefe demands to be tried by side tester and then privately tells the tester that to let him go or he'll explode a bomb hidden somewhere in the city. Which he, would break the dome and then suck all the people out killing yeah, him. Yeah, kill the entire city, basically, like a million people. The side complies and O'Keefe walks away a free man, but doesn't tell him where the bomb is and says, just gonna, you know, you'll find out where it is in an hour when it goes off, basically. To double cross. Classic dick move. Yeah, or maybe not an hour, but like, you know, in a day or something. Um, yeah. Oscar, the side tester, is racked by guilt by all this and admits what he's done to the to police chief, which he, I seems like he should have done right away, honestly. Yeah, really? Like, there must be some, like, there should be some way, or at least, like, they, you know, whatever, for this to not be done by everybody. Um, I Oscar, mean, it seems fairly simple. 
Yeah. Oscar realizes he can help. He focuses on the car O'Keefe stole and man and uh, manages to psychic up the location of the bomb. He and the captain rush to its location, and just before it can blow, the captain grabs the bomb and uh, runs out of an airlock. Um, Without a suit on. Yeah, saving the city, but dying in the process. Um, and of course, f- the Psy takes this. Uh, real hard. Yeah, at first he blames himself for it, but then he, you know, rightly realizes that all this is O'Keefe's fault, man. That guy was an evil dude. He did evil things and put him in an impossible situation. Um, so what happens when a nice guy side turns into a definitely gonna use his powers to kill you? <laughs> um, good stuff. <laughs> um, the side tester can't fight somebody, like, like, like he can't use physical violence, but he can do mm. other stuff. He travels to Earth kind of with a five o'clock shadow now because he's so messed up by this stuff. And yeah. he finds O'Keefe and uses his mind powers to force O'Keefe, uh, you know, tears pouring down his one eye to shoot all of his gang members. Jesus. Um, because he's killed a whole, like four dudes in broad date, like in the middle of a night of a crowded nightclub, he's going to jail for life unless he oh, wants yeah. a side tester. Um, just real, real good dark ending. Um, you know, like it's hard to feel bad. For, no. Um, O'Keefe, because he's a terrible person and a murderer, but um, Correct. it is it is cool to see like all of the emotion that he has, sort of being forced yeah. against his will to kill his friends. You know, that's the Dory special, man. Yeah, like, you don't feel bad for him, but you do kind of feel some emotion for him. Is what I'm trying to say. And yeah, yes. I thought this is a real good example of Do- of uh, Mike Dory's artwork and just his ability to draw like yeah, like these um dark settings and these conflicting and threatening guys. Um, if you want to hear more about Dory. About Mike Dory doing stuff, I'd heartily suggest you listen to a Space Spinner reaction, which is also on this feed, talking about action, where uh, Mike Dory is drawn a war comic with Jerry Finley Day called uh, Hellman of Hammer Force. Ooh. Yeah, you can listen to me and my buddy Jason be deeply conflicted about this story about a, a good German and fighting on the side of the Nazis in World War II. Um, oh. It's weird. Anyhow, I don't want to get into it here. <laughs> oh, my God. Next story's Nerves of Steel, script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Will Simpson, letting robot R. Starkings. <sighs> um, this is the first art on the uh, show by Will Simpson, who do a bunch of stuff for the prog, including Dread in the 500s, Rogue Trooper, and Tyranny Rex. Um, this one's just standard uh, Future Wars, uh, Future Shock, where it's robots fighting humans, but the robots look like humans and the humans look like robots. No, no. It's such a twist that it's not even a twist anymore. <laughs> bam, 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 you know? Like, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, he was a robot. Yep. And we're not, I, it's, I, whatever. It was boring and forgettable. It, I mean, it, it's definitely one of these ones where this is 100, like, 100% like, a uh, uh, stock future shock. It's one that they've done at least six times. I want to say, like uh, where, where there's people fighting, and it's generally like real looking humans and weird uh, monsters, and the monsters turn out to be humans wearing um, suits. You know. Um, yeah, exactly. Anyhow, uh, next up, but is it art? I kind of like this one too. Actually, this uh, one's pretty good. Script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Eric Bradbury, lighting robot R. Starkings. I always like. Uh, uh, 
Eric Bradbury doing art. He does a really good job drawing really gross dudes that look kind of drippy and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, In this case, it's a pair of criminals preparing for an art heist. They're, uh, they get to the museum. They decide to take this art, this uh, this art, this painting that's behind some reinforced gamma bars. Um, but when they get through the bars, we cut to the next day where a tour guide tells us that actually this painting is a living being, a Cubesian art creature, and it's yeah. caged to keep people away from it. As we see, the thieves are now be are now inside the picture, being tormented by some cool demons. Fucking awesome. Our final story, The Snickersnack, which, uh, you know, watch out for Jabberwockies. Script about Peter Milligan, art robot Jeff Anderson, letting about Tony Jacob. Uh, Porky Stevens is accepting delivery of the last of the Snickers, a shape-changing creature kept in a laser in a laser glass case from this smuggler named Gus Pike. They're going to bring it to a private zookeeper for big bucks. Hey, why not? Yeah, that night, Porky decides to double-cross Gus, as you do, and when he kills him... Throw him down the garbage chute. Yeah, but it seems like when he shot him, he also uh, broke the Snickers container, so he sweeps the ship trying to find it, eventually flies back to Earth to tell the zookeeper. The zoo guy does have a Snicker detector and uses it to finally find it, but it turns out that it's the pie that Porky has been eating. Oh, no! Uh. (laughs) Uh, I guess when you're, uh, you know, some, you know, wants money, food. I'm bad at these. Just always try to remember that when you're doing, like, once you're in a shape changer situation, you gotta be careful. But also, if you're a shape changer, don't turn into food. That seems obvious. But <laughs> <laughs> it never be food, especially I mean, around a guy named Porky. Yeah, or at least you know, I mean, to the extent that all living things are food for something else, don't become like a meat pie. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Seems in bad form. Absolutely. And with that uh, parade of shocking futures, Fox, we finished our coverage oh, thank God. of March 1985, Prox 405 to 410. And there's only one question that I have for you, my good friend, which is, what were your top and bottom thrills? I oh, my know. God. This this month was so much easier for me. <laughs> so my, my, my clear top uh, this time around is obviously... The Ballad of Halo Jones, like from, you know, just there's little things that increase sort of her character, although I would argue most of the the comics we read today were things happening to her. Um, mm. But there are little things that she says that kind of give you um, a bit more into who she is. Um, but uh, like really, um, it's just all the supporting cast for this one and really mm-hmm. shaping them out in such a way that is both uh, horrifying in, in some cases and really sad and depressing and beautiful in others. Um, <laughs> it just continues to kind of impress me with like how it gets handled and how it kind of makes the world uh, a place that I, I keep wanting to read every time it gets introduced into the comic. So good fucking work, Halo Jones. I love you. Um, special nice. follow-up mention to uh, Hell Trekkers. You're great. Keep killing people, Hell Trekkers. <laughs> really different fuck out of me. Um, but for my bottom man, uh, with like maybe maybe the exception of uh, side division or no, what was it called? Side side what? See, this is the problem. <laughs> side tester. Um, um, and yeah. and but is it 
And but is it art because it follows the the clear defined rule of future shocks, which is two and a half pages. If you can do less, it's even better. <laughs> um, it's definitely future shocks. It's all the th- the filler, man. Like yeah. everything else, it was it was moving along at such a great pace. And then when I got to those, I was just like, God damn it! Like <laughs> I gotta get through this. <laughs> yeah, it just abs- wasn't. Yeah. It didn't capture me like when it's compared to everything else being so great. If that makes sense. for sure, totally. So, Conrad, here I am talking about all this stuff about me, and I mean, I'm pretty great, but you know who else <laughs> I think is great, and I want to know their opinion. It's you, Conrad, so, uh, it's Top and Bottoms. Hey, thanks, man. Um, You know, I'm going to do Solidarity this week. Um, Yeah, uh, Future Shock's Clear Bottom. Solidarity. Um, you know, one or two aside, like, yeah, I, I agree, I really like side testers, and I really, you know, this Mike Dory stuff's real good. Um, you know, there were some real good art guys in here, Belladernelli, Casanovas, Bradbury, all those guys, that's all good. But yeah, a lot of this stuff is just, whoa, filler nation, you know? Yeah. It's just a bummer. Oh, I was just going to say, it's a bummer when there's like, yeah, when when two fifths of the comic is, um, is Future Shock. Um, top Halo Jones, man, no, uh, no contest, really. This is just really great, um, Halo Jones stuff. I really love the, the idea of this Rat King sort of being all plural. This stuff about Glyph is really amazing amazing as well um and like a real thinker in terms of like a character mm. and stuff and real yeah. good fox i have an important question for you <gasps> oh my god um if you could rate the people in halo jones's cabin right now who would you who is you who are your top and bottom halo jones cabin members halo jones toy glyph and toby Oh my god! Or top, just top members, or maybe just your your like 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 which one do you think is like the coolest, or which one do you like the most? Oh fuck! Oh, that's hard for me. Okay, yeah. so so oh <laughs> no, it's okay. okay. You don't have to. No, 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 no. You don't have to answer so if you don't want I to. I think yeah. I think coolest uh, top is is kind of the glyph. I'm really into that. Like as a as like a superpower thing, it's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I think it would go Toy, Halo, and then Toby. And the only reason that Toby's at the bottom is like I have mixed feelings about a murder dog, and I'm glad that he's around. Obviously, he's <laughs> been saving the day, but like you know, don't forget to get your pet spayed and neutered. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's super fair. Shout out to everybody who's like looking at me with horror as I bait Fox on this topic for next episode. It's gonna be real good. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed this show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k, everything else. We're spacespinner2000, man. You know that. Um, and it's yeah, again, good. yeah, just like we said last time, just in general love hearing from people. Feel f- Please feel free. Um, and then come back next time as Judge Dredd meets a young man with eyes of fire. Slain returns, Whoa. and both the Helltrek and Halo Jones conclude. Ooh. Yeah, until no, wait, the- Halo Jones concluding? No. Yep, yep. Sorry. Oh yeah, I should say also this. It's going to be a, a five prog episode next time, just so that we can get all that stuff. We, we can get to the end of those ones and and, and wrap them up nicely. So uh, until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we are Space Spinner Two Thousand. Let's the first three.